Welcome to the Chase Merrill Podcast. I am your host, Chase Merrill, and we are all about helping people get freed up from what's holding them back so they can build up who they were made to be. On today's episode, I have my friend Glenn Garvin with me. Glenn has been in my life before I was alive. He was one of my dad's good friends throughout his uh, early childhood, growing into his middle school, high school years more so, and was even in my parents' wedding. And he dedicated me as I was born as a baby to the Lord. This man has been such a huge impact in my dad's life over the years. And I recognize that as my dad has made a huge impact in my life, it's also been the byproduct of other men who have invested into him. And Glenn would be at the top of that list. Glenn is a lead pastor in Lakewood, California with his wife, Robin. They've been in ministry for years, have been married for 40 years. They've got three kids and grandkids. And I, the thing about him is the authenticity and the joy that radiates out of who he is. Like his smile is one of those contagious smiles that's impossible not to smile back when he's smiling at you. And man, he just is the real deal. His encouragement and support of me and my calling and my family over the years has been awesome. And I'm super thankful for the time we got to spend today. I know today's conversation is gonna encourage and inspire you. If you wanna help us continue to make an impact with this podcast week in and week out, consider joining our new Patreon community. For as little as a cup of coffee a month, you can be a part of helping us get the message and mission of the podcast out to more people more effectively. This is a way that we can come together as a community and you'll get access to behind the scenes stuff, additional resources and content, and so much more for just as little as $5 a month. You can head over to chasemerrill.com and click Patreon to jump in and get started. Now let's jump into today's conversation. Well, here we go. I have my friend, Glenn Garvin, Pastor Glenn Garvin, uh, best best friend uh, of my dad, Larry Merrill, in different seasons throughout his life, and so much more with me today here on the podcast. Uh, welcome, Pastor Glenn. Thanks for being here with me, man. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Chase. Yeah, dude, so cool. Good to be here. To, to have a moment today and have you part of the 52 Project, having these conversations with 52 different people who have made an impact on my life. Uh, you know, as we just kind of jumped into it a few minutes ago, there's a lot of history here and yeah. it goes back to before I was born. So like yeah. the impact you had, of, had on my life is, was, was pre pre birth impact uh, throughout. Um, and, uh, but, but you know, you are, uh, have been a, a, a long time friend of my, of my mom and dad's and specifically my dad's uh, throughout life. And, uh, I, I, I believe you were when I, I'm thinking they got married in 1983 so you guys were mm-hmm. friends before that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And and I'm trying to think you you were were you in his wedding? Yeah. Yeah, yeah you were in his wedding. I mean, that's yeah. that's the kind of we're talking about like yeah, He was yeah, he was in mine, I was in his. Yeah. yeah. We're talking we about like, the weddings. Yeah. Uh and uh and and so there's just a lot of a lot of that there but for, <laughs> That's how far back it goes. We can't even remember. <laughs> like I don't know. Yeah. There was a wedding. Yes. I think there I was, was in it. There was. Yeah. Well and there's and they're <laughs> celebrating. In fact, uh just in about a week and a week from when this is released or a week and a half from when this is released, they'll be celebrating forty years, man, of marriage. Yeah. Insane. Right. Uh and you guys were pretty close, right? Or you guys either were married right before or we, right after that? Yeah, we got married in January and then uh, and then they got married. You know, coming up. I no don't remember. Way. But, you know, yeah. It was September, September 10th. You guys got yeah. married the same year? Yep. No way. I didn't know that. Yeah. I didn't realize that. So it was busy. 40 for you too, man. Congratulations. That's a huge deal. Yeah, thanks. Yeah. So with that, for, for people listening that have no clue who you are, 
um, would could you just give them a, a snapshot and and, and just a, an introduction to to who you are, where where you're at right now in life, and like what you're doing, who, who you're connected to, just so people can know uh, some context as we jump into today. Absolutely, yeah. So uh, yeah, I am uh, currently uh, Rob and I. We've been married forty years. We were talking about how how really this kind of encapsulates the the entire of like what, what a great life is to be married to the same woman, yeah, and in love with the same woman, and committed there. We have three adult children: uh, David, Matthew, and Janae. They're all married. David's married to Allie, uh, and then Matthew's married to Fran, and Janae's married to Alan. Uh, and then Dave and Allie got us Millie, our little our little granddaughter, and she's coming up on three years old. Wow! And then Janae and Alan, our youngest, have two girls, and so that gives us our two grands there. And Ruby's going to be five, and Lucy's about two and a half. So that's the. I mean, really, that's that's the things that count. Yeah. The things I do, as you already know, it's like yeah, I do them. I've done them. Yeah, <laughs> they kind of come and go. I'm currently a lead pastor. I joke with our congregation that I am the CSO. I'm the chief servant officer of that's the good. church. I love it. So they think that's funny. And they they kind of mock me about it, especially when they want something. Yeah. They're like, well, you said you're the chief servant <laughs> officer. So I think that's what we do anyways, you know, yeah. that we are we are CSOs in the church. We're servants, ministers. Yeah. Uh, so I am currently doing that. And I've been doing that since October of 2020. Uh, and we got a call back to our really our home church many many years ago. So yeah, we grew up and got married and and really kind of started life in Lakewood very young before we had kids and lived there for 25 years. Lakewood, California, had the three kids that you know there, yeah. all that stuff. And then we were on staff at a church for 18 years. So long haul. Yeah, uh, I just love deep commitments. I like long hauls probably would have stayed. God ended up calling me to a nonprofit, uh, Royal Family Kids Camps. Uh, it's probably, I'm hoping it's still the nation's largest uh, camps for foster kids. Yeah. Uh, and so that was, it did 14 years with uh, Royal Family Kids. Uh, just, it was amazing. Uh, got back into the church, got fired from a church. You probably heard about that. That was interesting being fired in my old age and then uh, getting getting back on staff at another church with a friend of ours and uh, thinking, wow, this introduction back into the church was pretty, it was, I don't know, it was pretty interesting. Yeah. And then now I'll lead pastor. So there you go. Yeah. We're currently, we're currently living in Santa Ana, California. So this is my hood. Uh, I got like 13% uh, Mexican in me. I'm holding on to it tight. So I'm living in uh, Mexico right now in Santa Ana, Let's California. Go. Let's go. I mean, that, like, that's a, that's a life well lived right there. I mean, that's a, that's a, that's a lot of, that's a lot of experience packed within those, you know, 40 yeah. ish years. Like that's a, a lot going on, yeah. man. <laughs> um, Man, well, just to think about some of the 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 beginnings of relationship. I mean, so my my I've on this podcast I've had my dad Larry as a as a guest as you know at, at one of my fifty two, but and I've talked about him kind of in, in period you know throughout different uh different points. In fact, we just celebrated his sixtieth birthday as well. Yeah, it was it was true. it was your birthday recently too. I don't I don't know how old how old you are, but you know if you you can or I'm cannot. a couple of years older. Okay. So you know yeah yeah I knew your dad. Uh, yeah, we swapped. We that's why we felt so bad. We swapped birthday calls. Okay. And Larry said, uh, he's like, gee, we don't talk as as, as much as we said. I said, I know, man. I yeah. know. We don't. Yeah. And we felt bad. And then I called back and I get voicemail. He calls me. We got voicemail. It's like, yeah. oh, yeah. But 
Yeah, that's the way it goes. Well, he he uh, you know, he's been such he's been such a just a massive, you know, figure in my life throughout all of the, you know, upbringing but then well beyond into my adult years and 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 continuing yeah. to this day. And I recognize over the years how how vital it is and how how much of the the people that were in his life around some formidable seasons um mm. were a part of that who he is because of the fact that like it was stuff that had to be contributed from investment relationally from other people and you've been and were one of those one of those huge contributions in his life i recognize that so i go man when i think about making a difference man this guy's been made the biggest difference and then who's made a difference in his life well glenn garvin would be up at the top of that list and and it's and it's not just because of the like there's the there's like the mentor kind of impact you know the leader the father figure impact yeah. and then there's like the the brother friendship kind of impact and and I recognize yeah. that at times that that piece seems more rare in life I think it's I think it's easier to find those up and those down in regards to like being poured into or pouring in you know to to others it's harder to find really quality rock solid long mm. Uh, sustaining relational friendship people with with those brothers or those sisters that are arm in arm through life that continue to be there for you champion you call you out sharpen all that stuff and and I recognize that you've been one of those figures for my dad in his life and that yeah um, you know I just even when I was younger I mean there are I can remember phone calls I can remember when I remember getting excited when I would hear you guys talk on the phone, there was something about when my dad would get off the phone with Glenn Garvin, he he was better. He he mm. he left the phone call better. He he had he had more joy. He you could tell there was like a, it was he he could totally be himself and be loved, but also like whatever you guys communicated about, there was some kind of like challenge or sharpening of like you know man keep going or just it it was good. It was it was. It was something that I recognized was really important in his life, and it it yeah. it snowballed into my life, um, and yeah. and and what I still see to this day is those kind of relationships being so valid. So even in even though the the you mentioned the consistency of communication, the fact that you guys could just pick up the phone and and, and pick up right where you were 10, 15, yeah. 20 years ago is part of what I think is the evidence of the kind of kind of relationship that you've invested in over years. So thank you for that, because. Yeah. It's 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 a big deal. Um, when when I was born, you mentioned this too. You, which was a big journey as well for my parents. When yeah. I was born, um, <laughs> you dedicated me. Yeah. Like baby dedication, dedicated. Yeah. Yeah. Which is nuts when I think about it. Having you know four kids of my own now, and having the opportunity to you know have baby dedications for each one of them, and. Yeah. Uh, Man, so it's you've been you've been I in had, this. I had to look. I had to look up your name, to find out the meaning. Wow, <laughs> wow! I had to pick a verse that was appropriate, yeah. that was <laughs> prophetically for your whole life. Yeah, it's a big deal about you about you chasing after God. Come on, Let's yeah, go. I know. That's see. Come on, look at that. It worked. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. That's awesome. Oh man, so well, I mean, part of one of the things that I, I want to acknowledge is that there's there's something about being in ministry for a long time that, you know, I've this throughout my, my conversations, even up to this point with a few other people that are, have been, or are currently still pastors or in ministry. Um, there seems to be this, this, 
I would say a common trajectory of a lot of people in the ministry space don't finish well or finish mm. or finish healthy. Um, and maybe the both those are both the same thing, but but to some degree they they either they either burn out or there's something you know un- bad that happens that makes them burn out or that makes them have to be kind of move into something else. There are times God totally calls to different directions and all that's good. Um, and then there are just times where they there's no big moral failure or there's no whatever, but they just end that season or whatever and they're just like mm. I want nothing to do with this and I I don't you know either. I don't have a love for Jesus that burns hot anymore or all of that world is even just kind of up in the air. And so when yeah. I take a step back and I look around me and I go, who, who's, who's in this still? And who's, who's been in this for a long time? I got a little friend with me in the podcast today. Yeah. My, uh, my son, Weston, for those watching, you can see, and for those listening, he's been drawing me some pictures, dude. That's so awesome. I love it. I'll show it real quick to everybody. This is a Seattle Seahawks. Yeah, of course. Go Hawks. Um, oh my goodness. There's, there's, there's legacy right there. There you go. Football season is upon us. Um, th- when I look around me, I see the, I don't see a lot of people that are, that are really, bottom line, they're doing what you're doing, which is, and it, and it, yeah. it, they're still in it and they're still want to be in it. I'm sure that's not always how you feel, but you know, for yeah. the large part, and they, they're still loving Jesus. And then, and then we'll talk about the family component in a second, but it, but I mentioned it earlier on before we recorded to just, you got family who uh, are still in relationship with you and yeah. all of those things seem to be very rare in today's today's day of ministry and life when it comes to those that have been in it a while and uh and so i'd love to just maybe maybe kind of even before diving into the full picture of like um ministry right now with where you are uh, maybe even could you give us a, a piece of your story a little bit and just for people that, sure. yeah, just kind of even more, more context to, to the Glenn Garvin story. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I wasn't, uh, yeah, that has a big part of our conversation, you know, especially when it comes to just what you're doing now, currently the church pastoring and what I'm doing now currently yeah. pastoring. Uh, but I did not, uh, I did not grow up in church. And so, um, I have defined it now rather than talking about it being abusive or being a difficult, I just call it, it's just chaotic. Yeah. And, you know, as you know, when you're, when your life is, or when you're little, when you're a kid and your life is chaotic everywhere, it becomes, it feels unsafe. And that's pretty much how it went. So I've got, um, I've had two moms and three dads. And they have now all died. They're all they're all gone. Uh, birth mom adopted. I gave me up, you know, out of the hospital. Um, uh, that and I was raised by a grand grandpa and my birth dad. They could not really pull that off, and so they gave me up for adoption. I was adopted at four years old, and then the family that adopted me. They were actually trying. They were on their second uh, try. The, my adopted mother had been divorced, and she had a little girl. And that's my older sister, stepsister. Uh, and then they wanted to try to build, she wanted her to build a new family unit. So she married this guy and they wanted to quickly get a family together. And so they adopted me. And they, the hope was that adopting a little boy, my adopted dad, it would straighten him out because he was an alcoholic. Mm. Uh, he was, he'd come out of the Navy. He had been a really heavy drinker. And it's like, we're just, you know, let's try to fix this guy. My mom's opinion is like, let's get married. Let's get a family. That'll fix you. (laughs) 
I mean, wow. think about this now. You're not even drunk. You're sober, and you're like, man, that doesn't sound like a good plan. <laughs> no, to no, me. no. So they tried it, you know. And I get in the picture, and uh, so we've got, I, you know, I'm adopted in. I got my my older stepsister, and it's just, uh, it just gets crazy because my my adopted dad just could not handle that. So his drinking and his violence towards my mother, towards my stepsister, just began to really grow. He was never, yeah, he was never violent towards me at all. A uh, number of times it was scary because he was drunk. So when we were driving, he was drunk or when we're doing things. I mean, that was scary, but he was never violent towards me. But that was my home life uh, going through from four years old all the way up to uh, about 10 years old. And my mom, there's a lot of stories in there, but my mom realized he is not going to make it. He was becoming more violent. They actually had another little girl. Uh, in 1970, that would be my my little sister, stepsister for me, but she feels like full sister. Yeah, that's Gina. I don't know if you ever remember or had anything to do with her, but uh, so now there's this whole thing, and my mom's like, he is, he's getting violent, and uh, she had to kind of pull the ripcord, and they got a divorce when I was probably about 10 years old, uh, right after my sister was born, but that escalated. And it turns out when I was about 12, so this would be probably around 72, uh, my dad just uh, depressed and just uh, just really losing all sense of reality. He ends up taking his own life. And so, so there's suicide, there's alcoholism, there's all this stuff is going on in my, in my life. And uh, I don't know what in the world to do about it. And so, you know, like I said, uh, church wasn't really a big part of our life. Uh, my mom ended up trying to get us into a church. She got us into a couple, uh, I want to say kooky Pentecostal churches. I won't name the <laughs> denominations that we got in. And yeah. I only say that because man, they were, they were really out there, man. They were yeah. really uh, flamboyant and just loud. And uh, you know, it, it's all that. So it, it didn't, I was thinking, wow, I don't even know what this is all about. Uh, and then uh, coming into, I was 15 years old, and my my mom thought, hey, you know, this uh, I needed better friends. That's what she said. We were currently going to a church. This is where your dad grew up, basically. Wow. Dad, your brothers, your grandparents on your dad's side, you know, they were all in this church called Cerritos Assembly. And they, your, your dad and your uncles were very, very much a part of this church. I've got stories, Chase. Oh, I mean, no, I've got I, a lot of stories. I don't doubt so it. They were part of this church, and uh, they were having a winter camp. This would have been around like 1977, uh, and very cool. They did a winter camp. My mom said, you should go. It's got a longer story and context, but I go. I don't want to be there. I walk on the parking lot you know, to go to camp, and I don't know a soul. Uh, one of the guys says, hey, you know, sit with me on the bus, and he was really nice. His name was Tim. And I'm like, sure. So I sit with him. We get up there uh, Friday night. It's this totally 70s. I mean, it is just a vibe, man. It is. <laughs> it is the, it's the it's it's the crashing wave of the 70s, yeah. uh, the Jesus Revolution. I don't know if you got to see yeah. that movie. Yeah, it's, oh, for it, sure. It's the, it is definitely the tail end of the of the Jesus movement. So the vibe was very hippie, you know, guitars sure. and long hair and some a lot of sandals and shorts. It looks sounds like today, right? Yeah, totally. And so. Uh, it, but it was cool. We and we went up to this little uh, this resort uh, place 
uh, called uh, Oak Knoll Lodge, which is actually on Discovery Channel. It's actually on uh, a program where some gal had re uh, refurbished it. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Anyways, it's up in Big Bear. Yeah. We go up there Friday night. Everybody is like totally kumbaya. They're singing, they're playing the guitar. These young people are raising their hands. I'm in the back. I'm like, what is going on? This is crazy because I couldn't find adults making them do this. They were just <laughs> there, you yeah, know? Yeah. And I was like, wow. It, 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 there was this real sense like, oh my God, this is real to them. This is this, this is their thing. And I was really just uh, kind of caught off guard from that. That was Friday night. And then Saturday, this is where your dad comes in. Uh, your dad is your dad, man. And uh, your your uncles, are, they're just, you know them. Yep. They were so much fun. I mean, yeah. all the guys, they just took me in. We just had a blast. We just caused trouble together. We laughed. We just, they, I was just a stranger to them. And they just took me in. And it was really, really uh, cool to go like, these guys are, these guys are normal. They're fun. Um, I don't even understand how or what the church has to do in their life, but they're just real. Yeah. You know, that's going on in my head on a Saturday. And then Saturday night, they have another service, right? They got this worship thing going on. And it was in that moment, they're doing the same thing. They're singing the songs. They're, the young people are raising their hands. It's in that moment that right there, I'm, I'm looking at my own life and I'm like, man, my life's a wreck. Hmm. I mean, I'm, I mean, I am. I, I I don't have anything good going on. Nothing in my past. And I, I can't even tell you the dark cloud, the the dark curtain. I had no future, Chase. I had no, I couldn't envision anything in my future because it was all bad. I'd come from bad stock. I was a bad kid. I'd done bad things. I was part of a bad family. I have all these traits. I got alcoholism. I got suicide. I got all this stuff. I got multiple divorce relationships. They're all bad. And I was like, God, my my life is just a wreck. And in these moments, I I start I go over to the side uh, of this little lodge, and I get under this table, and uh, right there, Old No Lodge, I get under the table, and I'm just processing the difference between seeing uh, folks like your dad and your mom and the youth group just being themselves. And I know that there's something going on with them. Anyways, I'm just there under the table, and then out of nowhere. This voice says, give me your life and I will be your dad. <laughs> and it just, I could just, you know, I didn't audibly hear it. It wasn't from me. And in my head, I just hear this and I'm like, what? Like, and there was something familiar about it, but I couldn't quite put my, my finger on it. But I argued with the voice and I'm like, no, I'm not, I'm not worth it. I, I, I. I have nothing to give you. I have I have no talents. I have nothing. I have nothing to give you. The voice just repeated, give me your life. I'll be your dad. Third time, voice says that, and I just broke. I just broke, and I said yes. I said yes. I just completely give my life to you. <sighs> and there was just this moment where my life is kind of flashing before my eyes and all the things. I Up until that point, I, I did I had not experienced guilt. A lot of people they have no idea. It's like I had not really ever grappled with guilt. Because it's like I just didn't care. I didn't sure. care what sure. anybody thought. Yeah. I didn't have it. Yeah. I did stuff wrong. 
I blamed others for that. I mean, I'm 15, but I'm still, it's like, I have no, so I'm feeling this sense of guilt and loss and like, wow, I'm just a turd. I just, all that's happening. And I, uh, I commit my life to the voice, this, this voice of God. And that was my journey. Wow. That's what I start. So I wake up Sunday morning, all the stories you've heard, I wake up lighter. I feel lighter. I feel happy. I have no idea what's happened. I wonder if it's going to stick. I wonder if it's real. And Sunday goes, and I'm just, I'm just like, this is amazing. And the friendships are right there. The, all the friendships, many of them are still intact. Chase, many of the friends your dad and your mom have, and I share too. They're still intact. I, I still talk to a number of them. Yeah. And yeah. so those just were just like amazing that Sunday, Monday was a day off, you know, it was over the weekend. So we're still at the thing, you know, that's where Robin and I met. That's where it was just incredible. I mean, I, I met Jesus and I met my future wife on the same retreat. Can you imagine if I had missed that? Yeah. I mean, and then all of the, like the subsequent domino effect things in your life and Lots thing, of right? domino effects, man, yeah. that is that's crazy. I come back to school, then, then I won't, because I got a lot of stories. I come back to school on Tuesday, you know, and I'm, I'm depressed. I mean, I'm going back to school. I go to sure. Los Alamos High School, and I'm like, oh, man, that was an incredible weekend. And, and I, I'm still thinking, I was it real? I'm still thinking, you know, did, did something really happen? Because I feel very different, you know, and I, I go go to school. I meet with my buddies, you know, got three or four guys that I meet with. And that day, it just happened to land on the day uh, that I was the one designated because we rotated. I was the one that was uh, I was the one that was going to steal lunch for them to that day. So we would rotate this. So we in case we got caught, you know, on all this. So I go to the cafeteria line. I buy my one burrito and I'm going to steal three more burritos for my friends. And I'm like, OK, this is this. We have the system. And I'm putting these burritos in my pocket and I'm being really cool and suave. And I got my, I'm going to buy one. I'm getting through the line. And then out of nowhere, this voice says, what are you doing? And I'm like, well, well I don't what do you, I don't even know what you're talking about. What am I doing? It's like, what are you doing? And I'm like, I'm getting lunch. It's like, you're stealing burritos. Yeah, that's what I'm doing for my friends. I mean, this is how it works. The voice says, put them back. And I'm like, no, 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 no. <laughs> putting things back is way more dangerous than stealing them. It's harder. I'm not putting them back. The voice says, put the burritos back. That's stealing. I'm like, oh. get the burritos. I put them back in there. I'm angry. What in the world? Get up, pay for my burrito, go back to my friends. They're like, hey, get, where, where's the food, man? And I'm like, well. Here's the story. <laughs> I, tell, I tell what happened over the weekend because that's what happened. And I tell them, it's like, you know, I, I had the burritos and then God told me, put them back. I said, stealing. And I, I, I didn't want to, I didn't want to disappoint him. I didn't want to do what he said. Don't do this. I said, okay, I'm not going to do it. You know, it was the wildest thing. The wow. look on their faces was like, are you kidding me? <laughs> Like God, what over the weekend? And God told you to put burritos back. Like, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. This is how it works, you know. So they later on that week they met with me and they said, "Hey, we kind of talked and we we think maybe we don't we don't think we should hang out anymore." <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I get it. Wow, no, no hard feelings, right? I I feel the same. Yeah, I feel the same. I 
I, I can't hang out with you guys if this is what we're going to do. Yeah. That was like immediate chase. That was immediately first few days. Like yeah. That Tuesday back to come, you know, coming back from school. So, wow. I mean, so that shift, that shift was, it, it was, it was, yeah. Immediate, immediately begin to shift your, your, oh, yeah. your everyday life with fr- oh, yeah. friendships and relationships and, and everything. I, two years, man, I've gone through discipline and I hate discipline. I didn't have father figures. They were just a wreck. They're a mess. I didn't have that. God's disciplining me and he's teaching me obedience. And I'm a hard head. I'm like, oh, I don't want to do this. And, you know, and I just, I want to let you know that uh, as much as I appreciate the gathering of the young people that I was in, this is your dad, your mom, and all the other folks you probably heard about. I appreciated it. But I, uh, my relationship with Christ started with a direct revelation, a direct connection where God said, give me your life and I'll be your dad. So it cut through all the minutia of everything that you would know of what you and what my own kids have grown up with. I didn't have any of it. I heard the voice. I said, yes, that voice led me and guided me, told me what was right and what was wrong, pummeled me with discipline. And so I, that's my relationship with Christ. There's nothing that's going to shake that. Yeah. Yeah. I can't like, I don't even have words to explain. The church is not going to take me off. I'm not going to, I'm not going to walk away from that relationship. Right. My own sin, my own failures. Like I'm not, I'm not walking away from that. Yeah. It was, it was so powerful. It was so pure. It was, that's it it at last yeah you know it lasted yeah so there's and that i mean that that is for one it's super powerful right and the 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 reality of what you just described as well is it i I don't hear i don't hear as many testimonies like that nowadays they're still happening absolutely 100 percent. but there are more and maybe it's because i have been i have been more raised in the ministry or the church world for a lot of my life, because my parents experienced like similar things that, you know, you did. And so their, their foundation of relationship and marriage and then parenting was being built on, okay, well, we, we, we have some of this in our upbringing as well. Right. You know, in, in, in some, but like, we want to try to raise our, our family and kids. So I, I was brought up into that space. Um, and I had a pretty radical, I mean, crazy, I've, I don't know if I've shared it on this podcast yet, but I've shared it in some other you know places, but like I, I had a, a, my radical encounter with God where it was not audible voice, but audible voice was in eighth grade at a winter camp that we just, mm. we just moved to Rockland, California from Mammoth Lakes, California. I didn't know anybody yeah. and met Jesus. I had been raised in, right, knew it because of being with, but I was, that was the night for me. It was, became real. It was that Friday night at winter camp and and I got rocked. Didn't want to be there, but I got rocked. Met met my best friend on the bus. Eventually mm. became my best friend. He was the best man at my wedding. His name's Riley Silva. And then at that night at dinner before the service, saw this pretty girl sitting at the high school freshman girls table. As an eighth grader, I wasn't allowed to go over there. And and that one of those girls, that, that girl was Holly Holly Delaney at the time. Now Meryl, my wife of 11 years. So all, wow. all these parallels, I, I didn't realize that. I'm even thinking about your story. There's, there's a lot of those, that moment for me. And then Friday night, I just got rocked. It was God was like, yeah. I, I'm calling you to lay your whole life down for me, and and I will, mm. I'll lead you, and I'll take care of, I'll take care of the 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 mission and purpose, and uh, and then from the rest of that point till now, it's been somewhat mm. of a, a an attempt to to pursue and chase after that with everything that Absolutely. I've got, and and yet, what there there are, 
it, it seems to be, I, I hear what you're saying and I almost want to try to help you. I want you to almost try to like press into it more. What you're saying in, in, in essence is no, nobody can take from you what you experienced personally with the Lord in, in the, in the sense of even, even the, the difficult things that you could face with those around you who misrepresent or don't represent God or, or, or the church or, or whatever, they don't represent it well. Absolutely. You're, you're saying they weren't the ones that built my relationship. That's right. And so they can't be the ones that, that break it. Um, right. And yet there are, there, there are a lot of people that, that maybe have, have a different story of like my, my story was more within the fabric of the upbringing and has felt more like it's been built by the different youth pastors or the different, you know, whatever. Um, and, and that's where I do think a lot of, I think there hasn't been a lot of the same encounter like, like we've seen in previous years in the world of, of ministry and church. And, and I see that within the next, the next generation as a youth pastor, twice in the last 12 years um for you know three to five year chunks that i i recognized man we had so much even in my generation so much more encounter opportunity with god's Mm. presence with just getting in a place where we could hear the audible voice not audible voice but the the voice of god and um and it seems like there's there's not a lot of that happening as or as much as it used to be and i wonder how much that's impacting the church and people's relationships or lack thereof uh, with right. God. Um, what are you, what are you seeing from somebody who's been, been in it and been kind of, you've, you I mean, 40 years of, of, of being in ministry per se and, and nonprofit yeah. work, you've seen, you've seen it all to a degree. What, what are you seeing in that, in, in that up and down and maybe even where things are now? Well, I, uh, I think it'd be best, it'd be best to tell you, my, you know, Robin, my wife, she has a uh, 180 degree different story. Right. So she has, right. a, she has from birth, you know, from uh, early on, I mean, she probably was in church just, you know, days or a week after being born and she was raised in church. Right. I mean, she, every, uh, every night, every time the doors were open, her dad was a pastor. He was a pastor all the way through, all the way along, up until retiring. And then now he's still, he's still pastoring, right. but he's not officially pastoring, yeah. but he's still called on. He's speaking, he's engaged in the church, and uh, it's just a very, very different experience, as well as her brother and sister. You, you know, you probably know Renee. Yep, yep. Uh, you may know Ron. So yep. these are the these are the three children of her dad, Frank Triggs. And it's a whole different study, Chase. It's a study that they were all raised in the church. Yeah. And her relationship with Jesus was solidified as a young, uh, actually, she was four years old. So she had capacity at four years old. I didn't even have capacity to really know anything at four years old. She had the capacity to start this walk with Jesus at four years old, understanding why and how he died for her. Yeah. And then there she goes. She just begins to develop. She, you know, she's filled, she's baptized in the Holy Spirit. She is, she's got issues that go on, but none of them touch this deep, deep faith. So she has that. And uh, so does her brother and sister. So you're really juxtaposing right. my experience with hers and they are, they're baffled, honestly, her and her brother, sister, they're baffled by it. Uh, 
I'm baffled by it because I came through a very a relationship directly with God. Uh, people always say, "Well, you know, experiences." You mentioned this experiences with God. It's like, oh, we don't we don't believe that uh, these experiences with God are are good. You know, these experiences with God are are not what it's all about. It's like, well. <laughs> I don't know how any relationship could survive without yes. that experiences. Yep. And I don't think the spiritual one is any different. Yep. Uh, but God took me through everything, took me through the Bible, took me through all the discipline and obedience. He took it. So Robin had that in, in way better, way better, healthy training through the church. I did not have it. You know, I didn't even know. I didn't even know. Uh, my way around the Bible. I, I got lost all the time when the pastors called out scriptures. I had no idea where they were. I had to go to the index and look up the page. And get, by that time they were done right. and I was frustrated. <laughs> right. You know, I didn't know anything. No Bible app on the iPhones back then. No Bible app. I mean, I didn't have anything. So yeah. Uh, and I got know, all that training, all that biblical understanding that came later. I mean, I got started with the, the, kind of the Hebrews, uh, I think it's Hebrews 12. He started with the Hebrews 12. It's like, no, and you need discipline. You need to learn one thing, one thing only. What is that? You need to learn to obey me. Yeah. <laughs> when I tell you no, it's no. Yeah. When I tell you to do something, I expect you to do it. Yeah. And when I didn't do it, he quit talking. Yeah. <laughs> it was simple. Yeah. I'm like, whoa, he's serious about this. Yeah. Um, anyway, so I, uh, yeah, experience was experiences in God and with God were huge in my life, and they became very, very much so in Robin's life as well. Yeah, I think probably our the, our nearest theory is as parents, Chase. We we felt like if we got you and your brother, you know, I know your brother, Landon. Oh yeah, yeah. For okay, sure. so if we got you, if we got my kids, if we got you in church. That that in fact was that was the best and safest connection to Jesus. Yeah, and we've had a lot of talk and discussion. Like, you know, maybe that was too much dependency on that. Sure. Like, if we can just get you immersed in the church and immersed in studying the Bible and immersed in the the culture and immersed in the regularity and the commitment. We always made you go to church when you were younger. Oh yeah. We did our kids. Well, course, and I, I gotta take, invited. I gotta take a, a, a pause to shout out uh, pastor Robin as an, as an OG because of the fact that in my early, cause when I was, at, when I was four years old from four, from four to six, if you will, no, no, I take that back because we moved back after we, I turned seven. So right around seven, but it was before yeah. then. So seven was, a I would begin to become, I mean, my oldest is seven, going to be eight. So this is the year and yeah. I'm seeing it through his eyes now as he's involved in our church and learning a ton about Jesus and the Bible. But, but Robin, as the kids pastor director in that, that season at life center, where we were going yeah. to church for that one year, we moved back to Lakewood and, and, and what she put, what she put together to help create an experience for younger kids to, to want to be there and, and learn about Jesus. What was, it was massive. Like, even though yeah. it was, it was later that I really made the decision that really meant something now to this day, the foundation was me like from, from her gift. I mean, the way, oh dude, she just, she's, she's there. I remember, I remember there were times where I was like, I couldn't get to church fast enough when it came to just that age from, from, you know, kid, kid bucks and the puppet stuff that she was going to do and the yeah. songs we were going to sing together. I mean, it was like, it was, it was lights out, man. So anyway, just got a got you were, Pastor you, were Robin. Very, you were a very excitable little guy. I man. was man. And then she, you were, she just, of, you were full of energy. <laughs> you were intense 
from that moment I saw you. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. But I had to give her a shout out because that that was a big part of that. That seems okay. So, cool. so so you're 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 talking about your kids and the immersion into the church being like okay yes. from our experience. Right. And and so and, and you know how it is in ministry. We were we were all in in ministry. In other words, uh, our kids became a part of the church, and that was like there in terms of parenting. We're like, we're doing dual duty by pastoring in churches, teaching and leading every single week and, and probably multiple times. We're doing all these things and we are doing this with our children. So they are in the kids experience, just same one you just talked about. They were in all the plays, Chase. Yeah, they were right. they were in all the kids crusades. Yep. You know, uh, we would not let them win certain awards because they were related to Robin and I, right. you know, and they got mad. It's like, no, you're not going to win that because that people think we cheat. You're not going to win it. They were so mad when they won it naturally. It's like, no, we're not going to let you get that. It was, we're just doing everything we can. But at the same time, we were probably depending upon that church experience to be that experience in their life. Yeah. And giving them all the things that we believed were necessary, all the tools necessary. But we did not know and didn't know how to look and say, where is their private? Where is their personal experience? And we know as kids, it's it's a very simple method. I mean, they're reading the scriptures, they're listening to the songs. We had all the Christian things, you know, we we wouldn't let them watch Ninja Turtles because they're <laughs> demonic. We wouldn't. Yeah. I we just wouldn't. I just made a reference you know. to Rugrats the other day in one of my sermons. Yeah. I wasn't allowed to watch Rugrats with Angelica because no, Angelica was... had a bad attitude and my sure. parents didn't want to watch it. That's evil. Yeah. yeah. I mean, Robin, we laugh now because, you know, it's like when, when Harry Potter hit the scene, we're like, no, you're not reading that. They didn't read it until they were adults. So we were in that crowd of right. like, no, we're not, you're not doing this because that's of the world, right. you know? And I'm telling you, but that was, that was right. We felt like we were doing right. But what was really going on is we probably, we were not attending to as much as we'd like to, uh, to their soul hmm. and attending to where are you at? And one of the things that we felt like we tried to communicate, but now we hear feedback, we probably didn't as much is it's more important for you to lean in and listen to what the Holy Spirit is telling you rather than the church rules, laws, culture, all these. It's more important. You need to follow what God says through the Holy Spirit. Yeah. If he says no, I don't care what your question is. You don't do it. I don't care if it's legal. I don't care if it's acceptable. If he says no, you don't do it. If he's if you can somehow convince the Holy Spirit, so you know the word, you can he says, Okay, you're okay, you can do this. Okay. Yeah. Responsibilities on God leading you. We 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 live our lives like that. We don't know if we impress that enough on our kids. Like, don't answer to the church. Yeah. Answer to God. Yeah. Don't be led by the church and the way the church goes because we got a lot of we got a lot of systems. We look back, we're like, man, we got a lot of things that we got out of line really uh listen to the voice of the holy spirit so so good. now we're playing you know we're playing catch up we're playing picking up on the pieces now sure uh, we we had you know there's been church hurt in our kids there's been uh church issues there's been uh, questions um we remember chase i don't know if you remember this but we our generation we weren't really allowed to ask questions because if you ask questions it meant that you doubted your faith 
And so we were quickly reprimanded. I mean, we were, you didn't even realize how Catholic, you were not raised Catholic, but in a way, look, if you ask the wrong question, you are, (laughs) you know, you're pointed out. Like that's not the, that's not the right question you should be asking. Right. Right. And so we penalized like people that ask questions, like don't ask those questions. So yeah, that was our generation. And now it's like, are you kidding me? I mean, there's a lot of, there's a lot of great questions with no answers. Right. Right. You know, don't just give me a scripture, which I had handed to me. I had a really hard question about stuff and then they'd hand me the, here's scripture. And I read it. It's like, that has nothing to do with what I just asked you. Yeah. So that's the word of God. Well, why are you misapplying it? Right. 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 Well, well, so that's all I got. So the so I mean, you just you just said you just said an absolutely massive thing that I think when I when I when I think about the relationships in my own life, I I, I have so many relationships connected to, uh, I would say, parents in your season, with ki- yeah. kids my age or maybe a little younger, a little older, and yeah, yeah. and they have yeah. they are walking through or have walked through a, a very similar thing and they are kind of scratching their head and, and also wrestling with their own disappointment um probably a little bit of their own self-regret but also you know and through through other you know other experiences of, of different people i can think of as well just that sense of like where, where did i go wrong where, what did i do wrong and or i don't feel like i did anything wrong and it's this is just a messed up generation and they have they had the the, the wrong influences that that swept you know swooped in and you know, inner internet or TikTok or Instagram, social media, and all these different things yeah. are, are polluting their mind. And, and, and then the, it's like the, the wedge between mom and dad and, and, and adult child or adult grandchild is continuing to get wider and wider and wider. And what I, what I continue to see where the gap can, yeah, continues to widen is there also seems to be a, a, a large lack of relational skills mm. to be able to bridge that difference of, or acknowledging Man, maybe maybe there could have been some things we did differently, and mm-hmm. we may not agree with everything that you're doing right now or believing right now, um, or not doing or not believing. But we have a maturity, and a, we have enough relational tools that we are gonna stay in this thing with you, and do what we can to 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 remain relational no matter what. Absolutely. Right? Because because that at the end of the day, whether you want to talk about you know, the parable of the prodigal son, and, or you want to yeah. find other places in scripture. Like there is something about Jesus's ability to stay with people, even while they at times are going the wrong direction. I'm thinking about the road to Emmaus. Like those guys were going yeah. the wrong way that Jesus said to go. And yet he walked with them for a while until they had their eyes open to who he really was. There's this character trait in God through the prodigal son, father, God, and et cetera. So, so there's gotta be that ability. And yet there's also, there's, these values and there's these convictions mm. and there's these, there's these voice of God things that align with the word of God things that, that can't be compromised and equal life because of the way that, that God has put things into motion. And, and so that is something that I know so many people are in right now and, and just going like, yeah. somebody help me. I feel like I'm losing my kids and I'm, I may be even losing my grandkids cause they have my grandkids and I don't have any relationship with them. And, and, yeah. and yet, and they're wondering, are they compromising their own belief in God and beliefs on what God has said in order to yeah. tolerate or be around or with a child that doesn't see things the same way? What I have so many questions to this, but I guess the big one is here's what I see, right? I see yeah. your, I see your family. 
and yeah. and your three children and, and adult children and grandkids. And, you know, I mean, Matt, Matt, Matt and David, but Matt was, was a closer friend for, for years. And as I was younger, I mean, he was, he was one of my dudes yeah. and always one of the kind, he was a couple years older than me. So just a guy I just looked up to and just so much fun. I mean, this hilarious and so much fun that dude, I would, I would be laughing. Anyway, he, he that this picture I've, I've seen through years is a, a family that continues to, to be together and, and enjoy being together and, mm celebrate it like even through you know uh, uh an annual trip to tahoe that i you know i know you guys do i mean watching and seeing the videos or the pictures that come out of those trips on facebook or whatever and and the joy that is on those faces it's not fabricated it's not manufactured there is a a delight to be together out there and with each other you know that i go okay so you're telling me you can you can be in ministry still Mm. And and be pastoring a church in 2023, and have adult kids who have who have their own lives and their own you know journeys and beliefs and opinions and all that, grandkids, but but they could still all be together and may, may maybe not all agree on on everything. How, how how is that happening? Because it seems like I don't see that in very many places and spaces. Wow. I yeah I. I, I... I mean, that's new to me to hear that, you know, I, obviously we experience it, but, um, couple things. I mean, I think it's because I'm older, I, you know, it's, as I get older, I, we've got some weird things going on in generations. I, I'm, I just told Robin probably today or yesterday, it's like, we should have never labeled the, the generations. We should never have done this. This has been probably the biggest mistake is to label generations sure. and give them names. Sure. And all of a sudden we're like, well, okay, boomer. Right. Oh, you know, oh, you know, all right. I don't know what all the, the I don't know what the names yeah. and all that, but we should, probably shouldn't have. But what I do know is that longevity, so that the the years that people now live longer have caused a major four to now five generations trying to control the church, what direction it goes, and spirituality. And that's a mess. Yeah. Because you have people that are actually in their 90s still, Chase, that are still pretty good in their mind, not so great in their body. And they're like, if you kids just did what we did, uh, you guys would, you'd make it, you'd be better. And it, it it's a heartbreak to tell them that's just not true. Right. They don't understand that. Right. If you just went back to hymns, and if you just went back to this, and if you just did church the way that we did church, and if you just went to church every night of the week or several nights a week, and if you just did this, 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 then the whole country would be good. And it's just a heartbreak to tell them that's not true. Yeah. That's just not true. It's not true. And it is the hardest thing in the world for them to let go of the fact that Every generation has to have its own struggle against the previous generation, against their own whatever, their political, their social climate. They're all different. Their own wars, their own issues. Every generation has to fish that. They yeah. just all, they face it. And this generation is no different. Right. Uh, there were bad things then. There are bad things now. We are, you know, we lest we forget, we're in a war, lest we forget the biggest the biggest lies, the biggest guns that the enemy that Satan is bringing out is bringing out in this generation. Yeah, they're the, the they're they're not surprising 
the biggest lies that we have going on in our lives and our country right now, they're the biggest lies because we want them in our life. Yeah. These all these things about sexuality, all these things about identity, all these things about, I mean, just on and on you go. They're the biggest lies. We want them. There's something in us that craves to not do things God's way. It's in me. It's in you. Yeah. We all crave it. There, I mean, a number of you probably read the same authors that dis this disordered desires. Right. Right. They're right. all there. Yep. And this generation, obviously, this generation is just feeding off of these disordered desires and wanting them to make them the right thing to do, the right way to go. And it's just not going to work. Right. It's not going to work. Right. I tell people all the time, the pot at the end of the rainbow is a toilet. It is not. It is not gold. <laughs> you're good. chasing the wrong. You're chasing the wrong promise, man. Yeah. It ain't going to work. Yeah. That's so... That's so, that's so true. I believe so, I mean, prophetically, man, I believe that God will pour out his spirit and it may be bigger or better or different than the Jesus revolution, but every time something like this happened, God just pours out his spirit and directly begins to connect with men and women and boys and girls and just phenomenally just overpowers yes. the lies and the nonsense and I believe that's coming. Our job, I just want to make sure the church is ready to receive, just like the, you said, just like the Father. I want us running out in open arms and saying, come on home, man. Yeah. Come on home. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not going to talk about your sins. I'm not going to talk about your past. I'm not going to talk about the things you blew and the money you blew. Let's just, no, I'm glad you're home. Let's celebrate. Yes. Amen. Man, that's so... so I think that junction's coming. I mean, that's all, that's what... That's why this whole resurfacing of uh, being a disciple and making a disciple is so prevalent. We, we've gotten so church-centric that we have forgotten the core of the gospels in individuals, yep. and we gather together as a celebration. I mean, that's a, we're trying to do that right now in our church. It's like, I don't want us to come together as the inspiration. I want us to come together as the celebration. Yeah, it's so good. The inspiration is what's supposed to be happening six days a week. Right, so Let's good. come together and be the church to celebrate. But if you think that the church building or the gathering is the end-all be-all, we're going to save all your friends. We're going to disciple all your friends. We're going to turn and convert all your friends. We're going to do all this stuff. Just bring them here. And your pro pastors, your your professional leaders are going to do all that. That's just crazy. Yeah, the Bible was never designed that way. No, no. But but the church was never designed this way. But but what to your point? But we have watched, and and this isn't throwing rocks because I've been a part of it. But I believe over the last twenty to thirty years, fifteen to twenty years, we have put put together a lot of incredible packages and programs and systems that support more of what you just described we aren't supposed to do not everything but i would say when i look at it i go yeah. we, we did a lot of things that that felt like we were communicating the message at large that the church really was not the church as in the church the church of the body but like the church the the, the building yeah. we have made a a pretty strong communication to the world that the church building and the church people were the answer for all of those things. And so just come to this next event, come to this next conference, this next camp, this next retreat, yeah. this next service, and that will be, and and not have as much of that intentional emphasis and development on really discipling people to make disciples. 
Yeah. That that's part of what I I've recognized is it, it is there is a shift happening. I mean, you're in it and you're dead on. And I love as a as somebody who's like still I still consider myself young in this space. Yeah, I, feel like, I, feel like, I feel like I could keep doing that until I don't know when I don't know when to stop you tell me when does it stop when do I have to stop saying I'm a I'm a younger pastor because I feel like I'm I, I'm 32 and it feels like that's that's gonna have to end pretty quickly I felt like 30 was it but now I still feel young and so I don't know if that's gonna go away uh so so that that but to hear somebody that's been in ministry longer than I've been alive go and say what you just said is so encouraging to me because you know the re- the reality is too, Pastor Glenn. Like there's going to be, and I'm sure you do. You have younger, probably men and women in your church at times, uh, or even on your team, who are uh, are also looking around and going like, who who is older than me that's been in this, that's willing yeah. to see, that's willing to see this as well this way, without just put pushing this out and being like, we we've got to just get yeah. back, we just got to get back to what we've always done. And what I'm also seeing in the ministry space is there's not a lot of pastors out there that a have the security uh, in their identity in who they are and where, where God's called them uh, the 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 uh, the humility so security and humility to say hey um, let's come together in on this like let's 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 do this together rather than no I'm gonna go you go start your own little young person yeah. young person whatever church and we're gonna just like come back to we're gonna we're gonna start a new you know, or you're not going to, you're not going to do what I thought you were going to do when I handed the church over. Well, we're going to start our, our old church, the new old church again. And, and, and then oh, there yeah. goes the generational gap. And I just go, I, personally, I feel so, I feel so passionate about bringing those generations together because I do really believe, man, that I think we're better together and that the effectiveness of the gospel witness and all of that, right. Can be, yeah. can be, can be more effective when I do have some fathers and mothers around me some grandmothers and grandfathers around me who who help me see things i can't see because they've been there and done that but also are willing to go uh hey you know you're you're just as much a part of this thing now and we need you um and and because it it it, we need each other we absolutely need each other for it to be the most effective for the gospel this is really hard to do our uh our staff, you know, we've got five. We get, our staff, they're all they're all in the thirties. We have an elderly person. Uh, she's forty. She's in her forties. She's Let's an go. elder. Let's go. You know, she's the oldest. She feels it. But no, those are that's our that's our staff. And uh, just watching the church. I mean, I love church planters. I love church. I know I love church startups. We have friends that are doing this. So do you? Yep. You know, right? I love it. But a lot of times, what happened is they wanted to. They wanted a pastor. They wanted to lead, but there's no room right. in our current churches. And right. there's no room, not because the senior pastors wouldn't allow them to do it as much as it's like, no, they're too young. Right. They can't, they can't do it. Right. And so it's like, we've got this dilemma. It's like, what do you mean they're too young? I mean, that's anyways. And yeah. so what happened is they were willing, just like you, they were willing to say, look, I don't need your money. I don't need your building. I'm going to go out and do it anyways. Yeah. And it's, and it's hard. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's the hardest thing to do. Yeah. And so I'm trying to do I'm trying to create a church. We're doing a relaunch, but I'm trying to create a church within a church because we've got we've got folks there. We've got a lot of older folks there. Uh we've got money, we've got a building, but those are not the things that are important. The important part is the next generation's coming up. They yep. need to lead. Yep. So I want to give them resources and I want to give them the backing. I want them to make a lot of mistakes. Yep. 
And I want to say, you need to take this and run with it because this is how it is supposed to do this. It's like that whole system where Paul said, okay, Tim, you're ready. Paul handed Timothy a mess in Ephesus. You know, for sure. It was a mess. For sure. And he was young. Yeah. Yeah. And that was risky. Oh, big time. Yeah. And he did fine. Yeah. Of course, they they eventually killed him there in the city, but you know <laughs> he did he did good. He pastored it until he died. Right, right. But he handed it. Paul handed it over to a young guy. Yeah. Quit doing this. Yeah. We're like, no, you're not old enough. You don't know enough. You're not mature enough. You're gonna this. You're gonna that. Yeah. It's like no, that's just not. Yeah. So and now we're in a crisis because these churches hanging on. Yeah. They got more money than they do people. Yeah. And they're dying. And they're like, we don't like this. And it's like, well, that's because you won't let go of the past. Yeah. You know, you've held on to the container too long. Yeah. You, the old wine's and you've held on to it. And the, that's God's just not going to, he's not going to do anything. You just, yeah. So. And, and I, and I see too, and this is part of where I feel so, I feel so burdened to be an advocate and a, and a voice that can challenge my generation to say there's a, there's a, you know, that, and I, I don't think you would disagree with this per se, but, but I just, I see the, I see, I really do see both ends of this spectrum. I feel like God's, God's given me a burden for both because of the, the, it takes, it takes somebody who, a younger person who also can, can be humbled enough to submit and to say, Hey, I, I really don't know it all. And I'm okay acknowledging that and submitting myself to some leadership of somebody who may not do everything I think is the right way anymore or, Right. Or whatever else, but but I'm moldable, I'm teachable, I'm correctable, I'm rebukable, and yeah. and but I'm also encourageable and build upable, and yeah. and I think all of that stuff is 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 important and matters, and yeah. and I think that's a big that's a there's a big absence of that you know in in our generate in our generation if you will in the youngers of the, like I I I don't I won't submit a because I I can't I haven't developed the capacity to handle um. And I, my identity outside of my performance. And so the, yeah, the, re, the rejection that comes from any kind of critique or sharpening is too much to bear. And so I, I separate myself or I remove myself from any environments or relationships that that could come. So I think I see that happening a lot. And the other one is, you know, there really, there really has been a pretty significant gap of healthy relationships in, yeah. in the way that the older generation, I think also has been, um, has been pursuing of that that kind because the trust that's been built across the generations and relationships maybe with your generation and and I would go even the generation in between me and you which is probably not that much it's actually you know I'm thinking my parents and you guys that's we're like we're just a generation apart yeah is <laughs> is that is that sense of you know where where trust came by by title and position right in your generation like oh teacher professor pastor yeah, that's right president that that trust across the generational landscape has been shattered for our generation, it's gone. right? Because the, exactly. the integrity, the breakdown, the, the moral failures, all these different things that have been outside, you know, heavy outside image, heavy, but behind closed doors, you know, broken of character and integrity trust, right. the trust that's required for those healthy relationships is significantly different because of the titles and positions don't matter to us. Like they have in previous generations, but it takes time over time of 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 healthier pursuit relationship that i i know is part of it right so all of it though jesus is not caught by surprise by no and and that is something i continue to take hope in and knowing that man lord for whatever reason i was born in 1991 and 
you know, I've got a church of, of, I, I mean, it just, every Sunday blows my mind that there's, there's probably 20, 25 people in our congregation that are like core part of our group, you know, in their 75 to 90. And I'm going, man, it takes a lot of humility and grace for them every Sunday to sit and listen to me (laughs) preach and go, we want to be here and, and be a part of this younger guys church and ministry. Um, and, and so there's just going to have to be some intentional bridging of the gap across the landscape, both sides for, for us to be the bride that, that, that God's really called us to be, um, you know, in this next season. And I just love, man, I love what you're, what you're doing. I love who you are. I love that God's using you in this season to be a, to be a gap bridger, a generational gap bridger. Um, you have such a unique ability to do that in your ability to be, I don't like using the word relevant because I don't think it's overused and can be misconstrued, but your ability to be able to communicate to the younger generations and Mm. be be a a father figure in in a way that a lot of them didn't have. Um, And then your ability to still listen, care for, uh, serve uh, the older generation that, you know, has, has like you mentioned that you've just, your ability to be that gap bridger um, is unique and I think it's a special call that God's got on your life. And I think it's, it, I mean, without all the cliches, it is for such a time as this. And I, it's mm-hmm. no accident. God's called you guys back to Life Center. And there's a, yeah. a relaunching of, of sorts and that you've laid the groundwork long before being there this this round. And uh, man, I just, I'm excited to keep watching from the outside because I know, yeah. man, it's God's all over it. God is all over it. So, uh, nice. yeah, yeah. Well, one of the one of the pieces that just to conclude, man, for for today's conversation, um, when I when I think about the the things that have held back people from being who they were made to be, I mean, it feels like when I I think about your life now, from what I can see, mm-hmm. um, you're you're walking in a in a lot of confidence in who you are, and it it doesn't feel like you're you're doing it for anybody and their approval. It feels like you're, you're who, who Glenn Garvin is, his identity as a son of God, uh, as a, as a follower of Jesus, as a husband, as a father, as a pastor, that there's a lot of just healthy confidence and security coming out of you in this season of your life in that way. In other words, it feels like you're walking in who you were made to be. Is there something that you would say, man, in your life, maybe in previous seasons or even that you've overcome recently that has held you back from being who you were made to be in that now you're walking? And how did how did you overcome that? Or how are you overcoming that as people would Mm -hmm. listen and go, man, maybe it's a similar thing than what they might be wrestling with or have wrestled with? That is. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. I I, uh, appreciate. Yeah. I appreciate the uh, the encouragement from you. Yeah. I mean, I I hear it. Uh, Yeah. I mean, I, uh, I definitely, I stepped into my forties wrestling with that truly. Like I, I definitely, I cannot escape my past. I mean, there was a lot of things that were, I just thought I'm not going to make it, you know, I'm not going to make it in marriage. I'm definitely not going to make it as a father. Those were both very big fears to get married to marry a PK to a pastor's kid, to marry a pastor's daughter, to have PKs, to have children that are under the ministry as clergy. Yeah. <laughs> that was scary. 
Uh, and really, in my past, it kept feeling like uh, this is all going to blow up. And so there was just really this, this sense that, uh, like, like it, it was just not, you know, I'm just surprised. I'm surprised as I got this far. What I can tell you is when God changes a life uh, and he can do it thoroughly, uh, but you, you've got to stick with him. You know, you've got to stick with them through failure. You've got to stick with them through uh, setbacks. You all know now, you know this as well, Chase, Christianity is not a straight line from uh, from the beginning to the end. It's a big scribble. Yeah. It looks like a scribble. Yeah. It looks like there's as much going backward as there is going forward. But the second point I want to tell you, one is that God can do what he says he's going to do in, in us. Yeah. He will. He can do it. He's... Uh, He's got the power to do it. Uh, he's got the grace to do it, the mercy to forgive us. He can do it. The second thing is, I don't care how many times you fall. I don't care how many times you find yourself down in the gutter, depressed. You've got something that's controlling you, something that's not working, something that keeps coming up. I don't care. Get back up. Yeah. Get back up. I swear that probably 99% of spirituality is grit and determination. Like, I'm just going <laughs> to get back up. I'm going to believe God, and I'm just going to take that step. I'm going to go forward. Yeah, I'm not going to stay down. I'm not going to wallow. I'm not going to blame. I'm not going to look back. I'm just going to get up, and I'm going to keep on walking. Yeah. So, so those good. are the two things. So good. So good, man. I'm I'm so I'm just so privileged to get to to sit down today and 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 get to hear you know even your story I've I've heard pieces of it but again to hear it in that kind of that that run even though it you know lots of things it could fill in between but just that and to see the work of God in His hand and in work in your life and your family and it's just awesome it's so yeah. cool man so uh, thanks for sharing with us today thanks for sharing your time your journey your 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 heart and experience being vulnerable in some of those things and. And, yeah. um, and thanks for believing in, in me and my family too. Cause I know I do. I do. I've felt it. I've felt it in yeah. different ways throughout the years. Um, you know, the, the relationship with my family, my parents, but I've, but I've felt it, man. I, there's, yeah. there's, there's been moments of encouragement that you've shared over the years. We're proud of you. Yeah. We're I, very proud I can of feel you. it. It I means a lot. It. it means a lot to me. So love you guys praying for you and, uh, man, just what a privilege to connect with you today. So thank you for joining me on the, today's episode and for those listening thank you for listening i got my buddy weston jumping in the back can you, can you say goodbye hey, hey weston can you hear him hey, man say say good to see you hey i found out i uh i wrote a book called a seed of hope in toxic soil and i found out if you go to amazon apparently it's free <laughs> so i i know it's it's great. I don't. It's like okay. It's just so old. It came out like in 2012, and now it's free. So if you want to if you want to read uh, the cool stories about my life and definitely Royal Family Kids, it's in there. Yeah. Uh, Seed of Hope in Toxic Soil. Look up my name, Glenn Garvin, on Amazon. It'll direct you there. Yeah. Uh, so. Will Will you? And I hope by the time people listen to the podcast and they go it's not free so they can buy it to support the incredible well it's free it's yeah. actually i didn't yeah it's free amazon decided it's so old it's free well, <laughs> well so. but man also just for people to get you know when i think about staying connected to you or and reaching out there's um you you have a website uh yep. that's um is that a good place for people to go to just find more oh, more information absolutely. about the book yeah. or about you know where you're at some of your story or even just a way to get connected so that's that's a, that's hopebroker.com 
www.hopebroker.com. I'll put all the links in the show notes as well for people that are listening. It'd be easy to click in and make sure. sure that, but, but yes, the, the, the book unpacks more of the story that you is so, is, you, you will just, you're not going to, you're not going to regret going to get that, that book. It shouldn't be free because I mean, it's, <laughs> it's, it's an impactful one that people will not regret yeah. taking the time to get and read. So man, yes. Thank you. Thanks for that. And, uh, yeah, until, until next time, um, for everybody listening, thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.